0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long talk about all the little things we do to try to make our campaigns as good as they can be.
1: I'm Thorne, and I'm
0: joined by... Tony.
1: Psychotherapy, 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 it's what they want to give me. Yeah, it's me, DM Dave, giving a shout out, not only... To psychotherapy as an approach, <laughs> but also to Jeffrey Hyman, A.K.A. Joey Ramone, R.I.P. There you go. That was a Ramones tune. Sending it up to him when he's singing with the angels in heaven.
0: There you go. It's a rock and rock roll
1: DM, rocking out the else. Ramones. I'm not sure. I'm not but sure.
0: And that song really does dovetail nicely into what we want to talk about here today. And we are also joined by, where this is the first time ever, we have a special guest on the show. We are joined by Bonnie. You know her as Ojin as Mina
2: and as,
0: I forget, what's the name of your other character? Oh,
3: there's so many. Little one. Little one is the most fun and most energetic one of the group.
2: And you're the (laughs) siren too.
0: And the siren in the Marvel game. So Bonnie is part of our group. She's a player in all of our games. And Bonnie also is in her internship. Am I saying, is that correct? No,
3: no. I graduated. I actually officially have my master's and the place I was doing the internship at the group home hired me as a part time therapist.
0: Fantastic. And you are using that D&D in some of the therapy you're doing, right? Absolutely. So today we're going to talk a little bit about DMing with you know, players who may have communication issues, maybe a little harder to reach, or DM, D&D reaching players. We do want to be clear, aside from Bonnie, you know, we're not therapists. You know, The three wise DMs are DMs and only questionably wise. So we'll do our best. to And we may need topics.
1: therapists. Yeah. We do not know what we're talking about. <laughs> we do not know what we were talking about.
0: <laughs> but we wanted to talk a little bit. We wanted to deal with the question that, that, that was asked. We want to talk a little bit about just, you know, our thoughts and experience and what we can add to to, to these kinds of issues. So we got a great email uh, the other day from one of our listeners, Sky. She goes by Sky Eternity. And the email is, I DM a group, including my little brother, who is autistic. I have to be careful not to catch him completely blindsided with things such as plot twist as he finds the abrupt change difficult to absorb. Recently this came to light when I when I greatly upset him during a game and he almost quit. Luckily, between myself and the other players, we were able to help him see how his character was not quote unquote ruined and things worked out well, but I felt I needed to make note of this and be more careful in the future. I think I have an advantage in that I am a therapist so she's a therapist as well, but even then I clearly misstep. She'd like to hear what we what we thought about that. And you know, yeah, I I have not had an autistic player in my game so far, I feel like I've had many players who, for one reason or another, the, the connectivity to the table and the communication, uh, there were there were there were some diff- there were some gaps, some 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 bridges to cross. Maybe not quite to that extent, but I do think what she's talking about there and kind of talking to your players
2: is tricky for almost any DM. So uh, what do you what do you think? Well, sir, some plot twists can be upsetting. That's for sure. We've all been in that situation where a plot twist has just been like, I'm sorry, can you explain that again? I did turn your character into a giant pile of bucks. No, but that was, okay, that was shocking. It was horrifying. <laughs> you could, we could say you ruined my character. It certainly ruined his dating life. But <laughs> it wasn't like you revealed that Cthulhu was my father. Like, you didn't drop that plot twist. That's and true. I think in the situation that's being described by a listener's question, That's something, I mean, now that, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback this and go, you know what, okay, so that's the kind of thing that could directly be avoided. I would do other things, you know, like the puzzles that Dave loathes or, you know, look at some more encounter-based or skill-based situations opposed to plot devices like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we ran into this in, in some ways, not to the level of someone who's actually on the autism spectrum. Um, but that's why I'm really interested in seeing where this goes tonight, because it's something I've read a lot of articles about and I'm fascinated by, because I think RPGs bring a lot to the table. But even in our own games, as functioning, you know, uh, people on the whatever the, the, the medium point of the spectrum is, you know, whatever, like, you know, quote unquote, you know, normal. Uh, I don't like the term, but you know what I mean? Mm. Um, even in like Storm Kings, right? Where mm. we went. Hey, what are we doing? Why are we doing this again? You know, and I noticed that a lot of times in some of the games where communication, this actually dovetails back to our previous episode, miscommunication at the table, because we're all reading our world in a very different way. And that's with, quote unquote, normal levels of functioning. Right. So now let's take someone who doesn't see the world in the same way at all. And now let's throw them at the table. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think?
3: Yeah, those are all really, really good points. Extremely good points. Because in the end, we're all playing out our own expectations, our own scripts, mm-hmm. our own triggers, and the quote-unquote normal aspect of most players.
1: What should we say there? I don't want to offend literally our whole fucking audience by continuing to say normal. Well,
0: going- I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the idea that we're all crazy in our own way. yeah.
2: So when they meet us at Gen Con, they're not going to think we're normal. What's the therapeutic term <laughs> <I'm just talking? laughs>
3: Well, in all honesty, we're all a little crazy. Right. You know, like none of us in the whole society is normal because what is truly normal? Right, right, right. right. And we, we are normal by our societal rules within our little social circles. So yeah. there's always degrees of that. So what I would say is referencing people who have been diagnosed with something versus someone who has not been diagnosed. There we I go. That's a proper
0: way to.
1: Undiagnosed crazies, that's what we are.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny as I'm saying that I'm 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 forgetting. We actually do have someone in our game who is, you know, I mean they they've, they've had mental health issues. We yeah. do we actually we do have a player in the game who's schizophrenic. Uh controlled. Uh, I wouldn't say it's it's hard to play around that. There are definitely some times where there's a conversation of uh you know, there are there are some some triggers to avoid. Certainly when I'm when I'm DMing in that situation. But you know, there are definitely, you know, DMing someone who has certain mental health triggers. And I know schizophrenia is not autism. It's different things. But I do know that, you know, there are topics, there are things that I'm not going to that, that I shouldn't include in the game because that player is going to have a bad time if I do. Or even if they're not gonna like even if they're not gonna have a terrible time, I don't want to put stress on that system. You know what I mean? So that is a time, I think whenever you're dealing with a player who has some of these things, you want to be a little gentle about it. At least I, I have been in, in my own experience and kind of get your feel for what, what you can talk about and what you can't. Now that's a different situation where there are more specific triggers there. Whereas when an autistic situation, like, like sky here is, is explaining that is more a matter of not being able to read, not reading social cues. Well, and sometimes getting very upset when things don't go the way your model that you are expecting them to go. Cause it's sometimes hard to deal with the change in the model. And I think, you know, one of the things we have read about, I know reading through articles and stuff. And again, we're not therapists, and and, and this is not specifically what we've dealt with our table, is that, you know, it's learning how to communicate with those players, avoiding triggers, but also understanding that a player in that situation maybe doesn't read your social cues the same way. And this comes up in any D D game. We talked, you know, last week's last week's episode was about miscommunication at the table. You can say something and have a completely hit different ways between what you think you said and what your players thought they heard and what individual players thought they heard. And I think that's, that it's, it's, it's kind of playing with that, a kind of a, but a more intense
1: scale. And Thorne, I would say, I think we can even open this up, even past Sky's question, even though I kind of want to, I do want to circle that a little bit, but yeah. it really comes up into any time a person has, whatever their issues might be right. Whether it's diagnosed, undiagnosed, whatever, because I remember our theater of the mind episode um, we got some feedback back on some of our uh, Facebook posts and social media yeah. about a person that actually said that they have a problem with theory of the mind because they can't process things completely imaginatively. Like they need some sort of visual uh, anchor. And I was like, that's fascinating because I would have never thought of that. Meanwhile, we're all arguing, well, which better, theory of the mind or, you know, meanwhile, this person's like, hey, I, I, you know, whatever, you know. I'm blind, yes. I, I can only do theater of the mind, whatever it might be, right? Like <laughs> this runs a wide gamut uh, across the board. but Absolutely,
3: uh, absolutely. Because in the end, autism, as you brought up the, the social cues and having a hard yeah. time you know, seeing the social cues and understanding them, autism is also the social interaction and the social communication. So it's just mm-hmm. not about the cues as well. So somebody who's autistic, May not be able to verbalize what they want to do and how they want to do it.
0: Yeah.
3: and so it all comes back, whether it's autism, whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's bipolar, you know, whether it's the gamut of the diagnoses that are out there. It all comes back to one understanding a little bit of your players and how they think and how they process, you know, such as your example with the not being able to see theater of the mind. Um, Yeah,
1: I mean, we say that all the time here that, you know, know your your table, right? right? Know your players for for all reasons. Right. Yeah,
3: exactly. But let's say you don't know, right? Because not everybody's going to say, hey, I have this diagnosis. You know, they're coming to the table
0: to have fun.
1: Don't show up with your your list of past (laughs) medical history.
0: You can't bring a list, but you can't leave them home either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I can't bring the intake form like from work. (laughs) home and be like, if you guys could not fill this out, I would really like to see what medications you're on and past surgeries. Exactly. <laughs>
3: um, so, uh, you know, I hope to be able to convey two different types of play. You have the play where you're actually playing and you're starting to see personalities or uh, expectations of players, which goes in dovetails to your miscommunication last week. But then also, how do you take this and actually use it? as a therapeutic tool, like I am, in a therapy setting with use because of the the population I work with. And so, you know, I hope to shed some light on there for those therapists out there, including Skye, who is a therapist. And maybe she doesn't work with kids, but she could definitely still utilize this from an adult perspective as well. And, you know, right now I was a, a smaller group but now we're down to just one player, but we still utilize the D and D same D and D campaign, and I just add NPC players to kind of keep it going.
0: So, Bonnie, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what are you doing with that? Like, you know, you know, what did you, why did you bring it into what you're doing, and how's it work?
3: Uh, so the population I work with is uh, boys, teenage boys ish. Uh, the youngest at the group home is about ten. There's only one. Um, But most of them average between the ages of uh, 13 and 18. And these kids are 30% of them are just homeless. Unfortunately, they don't have any family to go to Uh, the other 70% are there due to uh, criminal activities, whether it be themselves or their guardians or just DHS issues, neglect, that kind of thing. Um, And As you can imagine, and especially something I can't speak upon, you all can as men, what were you experiencing at that age? The anger, the rage, the trying to find acceptance, you know, all the things that we all have, men seem to have it more than women do, at least, you know throughout the
0: years. It's sort of the the peak of the toxic masculinity that that is kind of coming from inside, you know, aside from the social issues. But it's certainly, yeah, certainly a time when you're dealing with with issues of uh, dominance... Uh, you know, getting what you want in the world, that sort of thing. And, and a lot of acting out and a lot of, especially, uh, kids in that situation often don't feel like they can get what they want in the world. I don't feel like they can, don't feel like they can interact with the world in a way that gets them the things they want. You know, they have, they have strong, strong needs and don't feel like they can get them. So there's a lot more breaking the rules and acting out to, there can be, you know, depending on your situation. Right. Uh, So how have you used, yeah, how have you used D&D? Like, like how does D&D fit into this?
3: So myself as a newer therapist,
0: but yet someone who very relates to kids,
3: I brought in role play into my therapy sessions from the beginning of my internship and now obviously as an employee. And I noticed that when we would role play, but we would do it by fantasy, such as D&D, or I would hint around about, you know, that kind of play they seem to get more excited about it because they can escape their situation. Mm -hmm. They can talk about their issues and triggers in a whole different way.
1: And D&D is awesome. D&D is awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kid sees a D20, he goes, wait a second, you play D&D? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Surprisingly, the one that's still with me, the other, the other couple uh, ended up being discharged. So it's a little harder to get them on roll 20. So um, so I only have one and I'm going to I'm going to go by uh, his character name of Anubis. Um, But when I first met Anubis in a group setting, he saw my tattoos and obviously they can't see my tattoos, but you've all seen my tattoos, at least most of them. And I have a lot of them. And after group day one, he comes running over to me. And he says to me, I really like your tattoos. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, and he wanted to look at some of them on my arms. And he's like, can I show you something? Absolutely. He runs off and gets his sketchbook and he comes over and he's showing me, you know, his artwork. And I started to see some of the swords that he's making. Right. And, And I was like, you know what that reminds me of? And he's like, what? I'm like, you probably don't know it, but it reminds me of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my God, I love that. I want to play that. Can we play that sometime? Please, can we play that? Yeah, I haven't played in a few years now because he played that outside of the facility. Now that he's in the facility, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. So it's amazing that how much some people, when they know it, it instantly clicks.
0: Yeah, it seems like it can, like, D&D itself, either they know D&D or that if someone isn't interested in talking about the real world, D&D is a fun thing to get into. You know, it's like it's like fantasy novels or fantasy movies or sci fi or, or even the Marvel movies. Right. It's there's a there's there's a fair amount of one really cool stuff into wish fulfillment in a lot of ways. As far as the way you, you, you play the characters and the way that you do. You know, one of the things <laughs> we've said this before, you know, it's a, one of the things about playing D&D is, OK, well, I can go have an adventure and actually uh, get rewarded and make, you know, make money and get the things you want. Whereas, you know, life isn't always that simple. So I'd imagine for, and I actually, I know for me as a kid, it's certainly that that was part of the appeal, you know, and even, you know, not coming from this kind
1: of background. Yeah. And Tony, same thing. We talked about this before, too, where this is kind of this hobby is what brought us to a lot of friends throughout our lives in different ways. Right. I mean, that's kind of why we're doing this even now. Very true. you can know oh, yeah. the
2: table, and then sometimes an issue like uh, our listener, you can get blindsided with. I remember actually, I was a player in Thorns game, and we were doing a reasonably hard encounter. And you know, I'm, I'm like, it was four e's. I'm looking around the map, and I'm plotting my next move. And one of the players would, suddenly out of left field, like was ready to like rage quit. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm one step away from killing off my character. And I'm like, huh? Like <laughs> the record scr- scratch, I'm like, "Like, wait, 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 what's happening right now? <laughs> like this encounter is like, not that hard. It's not like I opened the indoor and there was eight red dragons on the first floor of the inn, cracking their knuckles. They're like, all right, you're going to throw the garbage out, you know, but I suspect he had some of his own personal issues that he brought to the game. And with some players can't process losing, so I think he was in a situation where he thought we were going to lose, and everything kind of derailed in that moment. And Tony, didn't one of one of your friends growing up, didn't he have some issues? He
0: was in in juvie, and you know, before you guys were playing D and D.
2: Uh, yeah. Now I mean, how that, do you that, feel like
0: how do you feel like he interacted with D and D once you guys were were getting together and playing that? Do you feel like that was kind of an outlet
2: for him? I think uh, we we all find different reasons to be drawn to the outlet. I mean, certainly, yes, wish fulfillment, pursuing a story, making our interactive fantasy. I mean, it's certainly those things that, you know, you wouldn't do with your friends in many other respects. Like, for example, would you get together and watch every single football game? Unlikely. Maybe (laughs) if you're a hardcore fan or if you're a Steelers fan this year. You (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) even if you're getting together to watch a football game, though, that is not especially, you know, we talk. We just talked a little bit about kind of the, the male teenager experience. When are you getting together to talk about fantasies? When are you getting together to talk about kind of like, you know, to actually talk about creative things or like things like, well, I could do this, I could do that.
1: Yeah, literally. Especially
0: for me- for for teenage boys, that's not something you do. I mean, I was also a football player. I was I was an athlete all through high school and all through junior high. And that was not something going on on the athletic side of things. The athletic side of things was entirely be physically dominant. Or you know, fuck off. <laughs> you know, it was it was really you know, and it that was in and, the, and then in the popularity for, for for teenage boys, at least as I remember it, you know, you're the popular, or you're not, and if you're not, well, people other people get more popular by picking on you. So everything else in the teenage boy's life is really kind of about dominance or being pushed or being knocked down. You know, this is this is something that isn't like that. This is something where we work together to do something that is entirely mental, entirely creative, and I think that does have a positive impact, especially on someone who doesn't feel like they can, like they're heard or feel like they kind of have a fair shot in the rest of kind of, kind of the teenage world they're growing up in.
3: Then add in sexual assault from a young age, uh,
0: sexual abuse,
3: um, abandonment,
0: yeah.
3: cast to the side, failed placements through foster care, uh, physically abused, you know, punched. You know, uh, in one case, someone was poisoned by a family member. And then add in sexual orientation, which then flashing out as well. So I have a a gamut of kids that have been through the ringer on top of just normal adolescent growth and, you know, angst at the world. So, yeah, it can it can be a lot. And so these kids don't have an outlet to say that. Because yeah. who wants to talk about their feelings? Adults don't want to talk about their feelings.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Sit in a group of an adult group and watch
1: everybody stare at each other. Oh, yeah. Mr. Rogers still seems like a visionary yeah. cousin. They're <laughs> like, <"Let's> talk- <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about?
2: You yeah. know? I can't do that. And well, then- I believe you try to have a political conversation.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so these kids have been through a lot. And and traditional therapy, right? Tra- just traditional therapy. Um throughout my schooling and internship and luckily I found a place that really ended up putting me where I needed to be um, for the reasons that I got into mental health counseling but I would say a good 90 percent of the therapists that I interacted with throughout my schooling and just general conversation as soon as I mentioned working with kids oh I can't work with kids instantly and then every kid I've ever worked with, as soon as they come into the, the session, I won't talk to you. I don't talk to therapist. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And so like, you know, we find in D&D and allowing people to express themselves, even as adults, by offering this as an avenue for some of these kids. Now it's not about just sitting there, tell me your feelings. Now you're going to play a game with me and I'm gonna see and analyze your
1: feelings. Yeah, because as we've seen, you can't hide it. When you get to the table, man, whether you're in front or behind the screen, it's you coming cannot, out. you can't hide your real self. It's coming through, mm-hmm. it's coming through somewhere.
0: So how do they, re- how do they respond to that, you find? Like, how, how do they, do they get into it? Is it easy to get them into it?
3: Yes, uh, for the most part, yes. Yeah. Some kids are like, no, that's a nerd's game. Which, you know, you guys have discussed man, about being the geeks
1: and the nerds. You I know? still I keep that tally going of our downloads at work. And I still get some people being like, That's some nerd shit, man. I'm like, whatever, bro. Whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but even even with that said, when I was doing it outside with the start of COVID and, and, and whatnot, yeah. and I was actually holding a D and D session outside with two other players. It was a total of three. Everyone would come up and be like, what are you doing? And that's when I was drawing out maps, right? Because I'm outside. I'm not on roll 20. Um, and so I'd be drawing maps and I'd be telling the story and I'd be given the plot line and they'd be deciding what they're doing, you know, how D&D goes, those that play. And every kid, almost, almost every kid, I want to say every kid, almost every kid had come up, what are you doing? And then they would hear me giving some plot or whatever did you just make all that up in your head? Cause you know, obviously I don't have a piece of paper in front of me. I'm like, absolutely. And they're like, that's impressive. I'm like, you want to play? And some of them are like, yes. But then my players were like, no,
0: I don't <laughs> this want this game thing.
3: right now. It's <laughs> like, no, this is our game. You know? The
1: fellowship is closed. <laughs> this is our gang, get out. <laughs> we only have nine people in the fellowship. We can't take another. <laughs>
0: So like I think, I mean, this is this is really cool. Like, how did you? you know you mentioned you're kind of using the game to kind of get insight into what are they feeling or what are they thinking, right? So I mean, how do you do that? Is that something do you do you do you create situations specifically for that, or is it just watching them go through a regular game? How how do you, how do you actually use that as a diagnostic? Both,
3: which I hate when Dave does that to me,
0: but both. That's fine. I'm gonna <laughs> ask you. I'm just gonna ask you to expand on how it's both. <laughs> it's not either
1: or. It's and. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one.
3: I know their story, right? Because I see their case file before I sit with them for the first time and we kind of go over a treatment plan together and whatnot. Um, So I know why they're there. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but I've pretty much been through every terrible experience you can go through. I've been through it myself. So I have an idea of what they may or may not be feeling based upon whatever it is that they have done. As David said, what did you say? My life originally, when you first met me.
1: Oh yeah, it's like a double. It's like a double platinum country album. Yeah. Which the platinum <laughs> it's like, it's like, occurred when I'm I, sorry about your dog. It's the most. Uh, and yeah, your pickup truck. It's all the country. It's a full country album that sold worldwide. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And unfortunately, it went platinum when my son passed away. So, which is why I got into mental health counseling to avoid some of the situations that uh, my son was put into. Uh, by others that were struggling because of home lives and things like that. So I wanted to get into an aspect where I can help these kids to not do what they did for my son, which is, you know, a whole other story. But with that said, um, so I see their file. So obviously I already know which kids are there for what reasons. Okay. So you kinda of
0: know what like kinda of what you want to kind of hoke a little bit, what you kinda of wanna give them a chance to express. Yes.
3: Yes, because most of most kids are not gonna be comfortable to talk to anybody, as everyone has said to me. Now I do bribe them with sugar, so I know mm. that
2: helps. Good strategy. But
1: <laughs> really- well mom, um, you have said too with that is that part of that is that you are because you're not specifically premeditating all the time, going in and saying, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z so I can address these concerns. (laughs) You're allowing them to role play out certain things. But what you've said before is that you're looking for things that in a lot of the community currently is actually getting uh, a lot of flack for, which I think is, is BS. But you're looking for things that are going to over trigger this person Mm -hmm. like why are you going to put a a certain situation in front of them that could very well put them right back into some kind of hellscape right so you're looking at things to okay maybe i want to avoid certain situations and bring it back to sky's question seeing how that maybe plays out with your player you go ok, maybe I can skirt around some of these things so we can actually get some sort of value out of this session, right? As mm-hmm. well as fun, yeah,
3: yeah, and that's the and part. So knowing part. the knowing the case is one thing, right? Yeah. Knowing what's going on, what the child has experienced, the youth, um whose fault is it, who's not who's not at fault, you know that kind of thing. And then creating scenarios within the game to ex- let them express that, right? So, mm-hmm. Let's let's do a simpler topic and you know less intrusive. Let's say you know dad beating up on mom, right? Seeing physical abuse as a as a witness versus a victim. Well, now I'm going to put in to the play situations where that might start to occur.
1: I don't see how that could happen in a D and D game. (laughs) I don't see how physical assault could happen. in a session of DMD. I don't know.
2: You guys, have you ever run into that at all? That-
1: I've, I've had,
2: we almost had a fist fight. It's Are
1: happened. <laughs> I don't well, know, no,
0: but I mean, yeah, obviously you could have them walk by a, uh, a, a traumatic situation, right? I mean, I mean,
1: I've, I don't know what kind of game you're playing, but wow.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you have a fight that the employers didn't start, but I'm sure it's, you can work one in if you wanted
1: which, to. I guess it can happen. Okay. We'll <laughs> we'll just we'll seed that point. Okay.
3: Well, and see, and that's where taking the game to a therapy level. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because let's let's use good old Bert, right? You described Bert in your campaign as this rough and gruff kind of mean guy. Bert from the tavern. Remember?
1: Oh, oh, Edward. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Okay. Okay. That's from um from the Slavers Bay one, right? Yes.
3: Yes. Now it's one thing for you to create that narrative, right? And then we go into the tavern and a fight starts and we start beating people up, which ended up happening. But let's say the wife comes out. Yeah. And instantly he starts to attack her. Yeah. That's something you guys wouldn't put into the game, but I would.
1: Well, no, I mean, I was I was making more of the, uh, the joke about it. Is that that's what we're doing literally all the time, right? I'm
3: elaborating on yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it. There, there was a
0: little bit of that, actually. I mean, I wouldn't say we wouldn't put it into a game because I have seen it. Shop actually, uh, Curse of Strahd has it from a certain I was point of view.
1: say, Strahd. Yeah. Like that's a game where like if you're going into therapy, don't run Curse of Strahd because that shit's fucking dark,
0: okay? Like I, don't know. I think I think we were able to work some issues out taking care of old Bone Grinder. I think we all were like, all right, no, 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 these these ladies got to die. We don't care what the CR is. This has to happen
1: party has probably burned that fucker to the ground i feel like that probably happened in every single anyway continue sorry
0: so so bonnie so so like you can basically set up a situation where the player character sees a husband beating a wife and let them kind of work through it and talk about how to respond to it through that
3: exactly what would they do as the fighter as the as the rogue as you know the wizard you know yes it's fantasy play but It allows me to see if they felt empowered to take care of the situation, how quickly they respond versus do they hesitate like most of us do as children when we see that situation because of this big bad person and how do we overpower that? And then I'll purposely resurface it again to see if it's the same level of trigger as well as the same response to it.
1: Mm. Because you've seen the response change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, there was one situation where um, we weren't playing. Uh, we were uh, just, I was talking to some staff, and uh, there's five actual homes on campus uh, just for the boys. Mm-hmm. And I was at one of the buildings outside, and I was talking to th- about three people. Well, boys being boys. the other, One of the other has- houses was, like, taunting one of the kids that I play with. Yeah. And, you know, they're giggling and they're taunting. They tried to taunt me at first. And, of course, I ignored it because I'm an adult. But he didn't. So his response was a certain way. So in the game the next week, I purposefully put in a similar situation between his character and another character in town. And he responded the exact same way.
0: So then we we were able to kind of talk to him about it and talk about different ways to address it, sort of, or different ways you could have handled it?
3: Well, what I ended up doing was, so as he's responding the exact same way, I told him the choice. I said, okay, we have the choice. You want to go beat him up or do you want to still try and talk to the person? Like I changed the narrative, right? So his response was, I'm going to go kick your ass, right? I'm going to go fight you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm sorry if I cussed. Yeah, he's got 18
1: strength, so he's going to fucking take it out. No, we curse all the time. We yeah. have explicit labels on all of our is. podcasts.
0: We're not explicit, you're fine, you're fine. We're yes. listed as explicit, so. Critical, a critical Role can be listed as explicit, we can be listed as explicit, we're okay with this. I have discussed before, but
3: yeah. it wasn't sure. And so, in some cases too, I will purposely keep egging him on in the game until the script changes. So I can use it in two different ways. And the funny thing is, is he never realizes what I'm doing, ever. Now he's going to realize because he's. I know that he's going to listen to this.
0: Is he going to listen? No, you shouldn't tell him you're on here. No, no.
3: <laughs> he told me I thought I could use his name. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's a privacy thing. No. So, um, yeah, once I told him about it, he's like, oh, what? how can I listen to that? So I know he's going to listen. But, yeah, I mean, it's all about those triggers. And circling back to um, Sky, those triggers, as much as we don't want to avoid them, especially when you just mentioned about Curse of Strahd right. and that how dark it is, Yeah. sometimes we need to push those triggers in a controlled environment. Mm. So that way it's controlled. So when you think of dark, obviously you think of suicide and people are terrified of suicide, right? That somebody's going to kill themselves on your watch, especially as a therapist. So sometimes these darker ones, like Curse of Strahd, allows them to explore that negative thought that they're not allowed to talk about. Because otherwise, where are you going to go? They're going to send you the uh, same asylum, right? They're going to put you into a mental hospital. They're going to restrict you even more than you're already doing. It. And all you're thinking is like, I really fucking hate my life right now. I hate what happened to me. But yet, I can't talk about it. And if I say I want to kill myself now, oh, now you're going to kill yourself. When meanwhile, they're just trying to get it out. So. Sometimes we need to push that because that'll help change that narrative. So as Sky said, you know, she saw that they were able to talk her her brother back in that it's okay. And I, uh, I, my ex husband had an autistic
0: son, so I dealt with autism as well. And it's a shame we problems. couldn't have brought you D D then. You know, <laughs> that would have been fourth edition, maybe not the best idea. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think that would have been definitely harder because he was a higher on the spectrum or lower on the spectrum, so it was a much more challenging. But I do have a a couple autism kids on campus that I've been trying to get assigned to me because that's the thing. If if they're not assigned to me, I can't work with them on an individual basis. So, but yeah, it's just circling, you know, really, truly circling back and knowing what the triggers are. And if you don't know them until they happen, okay, take a note and then know how to, to bring them back.
0: Now, I would also say, I mean, it's it's great for you to do that as a trained therapist, someone with a master's degree in this. I I would caution any listener against you. Don't try this at home unless you're a trained professional.
1: I would say there's a big difference between the the, the therapy table and then the table table.
0: I mean – I have known many many people around the d who would kind of you know if you don't have the training it's hard to understand when you should push something and not push something and I've known, it's kind of the, it's kind of the person who would say oh you should never be on you should never be on the antidepressants because you should just think more positive you know some people think every situation if I can just force you if I can just talk you into facing it and forcing yourself through it you'll be fixed which isn't the way mental health issues work. None of them, you know, sometimes you need to face it. Sometimes it's not that simple. And it's almost never so light that you can just have your buddies get together and run you through a game of it. It's different (laughs) when it's a therapist doing it. And I do want to make that really clear. I I, I've, we've all dealt with some people in our lives who have had serious mental issues like this and they're not, no no mental health crisis is something that is so simple that you can just go, hey buddy, you got to face your arachnophobia with all these spiders in the game. Uh, it doesn't you know that's I mean that, that, that's
3: <laughs> as you guys all have seen, as soon as you mention a spider, I've already seen the description before you've even described it. And I'm like, nope, don't like
0: that. <laughs> I didn't really think of you as kind of like I mean, I know you don't like spiders. I kinda of just felt like it was like I felt like it was like a horror like I felt like it was a haunted house level scare to throw in some spiders. I didn't feel okay. like I was really pushing it.
3: <laughs> spiders and I have a hate hate relationship. We equally hate each other, and I want nothing to do with them.
0: <laughs> fair. Totally fair. That's, no. what makes, that's what makes Shelob such a great monster, you know? Oh, shelob from Lord of the
1: Rings. The, I, the, still, the spider. I still debate whether or not Shelob or Aragog from the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which oh. one was actually worse oh, in she-Lob. terms Final of giant spider, you know? No. I'm saying what yeah. on, film, yeah. on film, not bookwise on film.
0: Well, here's hmm. the deal. Shelob, as an individual character, is worse, but Aragog bred. Like Shelob, but actually, I think and think in the lore. And forgive me, because even um, even though I'm named after a Tolkien character, I don't know the lore that well. I believe there are some spawn of Shelob out there. Huh?
2: Tony. Shelob, (laughs) as as I recall, was a spawn from like the original darkness in like the Tolkien primordial times. Yeah, you know, loves up. She's like
0: up there with Smog and the and the Balrog as in, t- in power level. Okay. Uh,
2: I mean, I, well, I don't know if I'd put her up there with with Smog, but extraordinarily formidable. <laughs> I I mean, honestly, um, I guess Bonnie it, just it, wants this conversation to end. Sorry, like, no. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I try to do something nice.
1: <laughs> exactly how someone came into Tolkien by how they pronounced the dragon. If it's smog, they read the books. If it's smog, they know the Peter Jackson films, <laughs> the end. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Smog the is flakes. also
0: in the, original, in the original cartoons, it was smog.
1: Right. The, um, the bass ragton things. Yeah. But I also grew up saying
0: Tolkien, and now it's apparently Tolkien. Tolkien, right?
1: Tolkien. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: It's all terrible. All that was terrible. <laughs> and as you're talking about it, I'm thinking of the, the spider recently on The Mandalorian. I was like, ah! the whole time like i just I, I oh just yeah
1: can't. oh sorry spoilers for any mando fans out yeah,
0: there. i'm sorry. one episode in don't spoil anything oh, bro. How busy i've been i have I've, I've caught one episode of the new mandalorian that's oh. how busy i've been since oh. like oh. october but there's a gross, so spider, in
1: there.
3: so gross spider including when thorin you decided to try and tempt us to go into the spider web infested forest
0: to get treasure Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was that like was a- that was second game in with
0: a brand yeah, new game. Yeah, movie.
3: OG's yeah, like, nope, nope, not having it. Don't nope,
0: take the nope. measure. What want to see? Who's gonna who's gonna go risk their lives for more shiny shiny? Nope, not
3: me. <laughs>
1: not me. Well let's circle it back to Sky for a second because yeah. I when I read that question, the first thing I thought of, especially when she put quote unquote ruined, I went back to the game you guys talk about. I think Tony, you were running it. And Thorin, it was the paladin thing, right? Was that the same game where it ruined the cleric or vice versa? What am I yeah, getting? That was
0: the game. So I never we I got as far into that game as having started my character and me and Tony had built the character together and I was getting into it. And then like yeah, apparently the cleric felt like having a paladin in the like there was there was two and Tony would know, Tony, you'd know better. But if okay. I remember, there was like, basically there was two objections, right? There was like, the one objection was, we don't want the goody two-shoes lawful good paladin on the party. And then the other objection was the cleric somehow felt like the way that character was built, they couldn't have a paladin. With overlap uh, at that
2: character. Yeah. Eh, I mean,
0: at <laughs> times. People do get in their heads and in their feelings about the characters. Like they absolutely, people will act, players will absolutely feel like, in DMs maybe, You know, the the M's can feel this way about their stories. They can absolutely feel like little thing happened here and my game is ruined. My character is ruined. You know, I'm actually, I mean, I'm an editor. And I literally, every now and then I'll have a writer kick back an article and that writer's decided there's no article there. But like, I know you can write an article about, but that writer is in their head about what it's going to be and they won't move on it. And it gets to be the same thing with characters sometimes and with DMs with stories even. You know, you get in your head that, no, 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 that ruins things. And even though there are a hundred ways to get around it, you get stuck on the fact it's ruined and you won't move, you know? And I think that happens in the game. It happens in the
2: working world. It happens. It's happened everywhere I've been. Well, I mean, I understand that because to have a character you've played for multiple sessions, you have, and if it's going well, you've got a significant character investment. You've made a Mm. backstory. You've showed up. You've played this character for hours and hours. I mean, the time your character is level eight, you've played it longer than most video games that you've purchased. Yeah. And then something happens that derails your version of what this character is. I could see that being a problem. But the question is, is that truly fair? Does that really ruin the character? Or is that just part of the story?
0: especially when I think so much of D D is about, well, how does this character respond to the challenges put in front of them? And how does this character respond to the world? One tweak in the world doesn't ruin a character. You know, you come up with another with, it's not about what happened. It's about how does the character respond to it, which I think is also part of what gives the, gives the game its therapy power. Right. Cause you can talk about, well, what are the other things you can do?
1: Or sure, I would say uh, on that, I've said it before. I think it's just a, a cool example. Uh, that um I had a very involved backstory that I'd written up for Beam and everyone knows I write involved backstories for every goddamn character even if it's for one shot right but regardless I had a whole idea of who this character was right and you would throw things out and I don't know if you were doing it on purpose or just it's just kind of the way you thought of clerics or whatever but about being from an order and being Mm. from a church and being a... Like, in essence, the priest character, you know? And And I was like, huh, that's not really where I'm seeing it. But then at one point, it occurred to me, I said, oh, but he worships this elven god, so why wouldn't he have stayed at, like, some monasteries and learned some priestly things... And I then took it and I built it more into the character, into his backstory to add flavor and narrative. So instead of just being like, you're ruining my character, that's not what I do. I went, oh, okay. How can I play with this, right? Kind of like you do with session zero. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think? And kind of tossing that football back and
2: forth. I had actually had an experience where I had a buddy who had a really rough um, family life. And... Um, Despite the fact he was actually a really tough guy, he was really inward a lot of times because of that. And when we we played this game, this is years ago, his character was really animated and happy. And he's like, oh, I want to do this. And hey, guys, I want to do that. And then he'd leave the game like, "Eh." and I'm like, oh, man, if you could just tap into that all the time, like that would be freaking amazing. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's a good point.
3: Yeah. no, and that that comes back to um, the whole idea of D and D, and especially within therapy, he's able to be the person he wants to be, and it's hard to do that
1: in life. The ideal yeah. self. Right? Exactly. Because we all play our ideal, especially mm-hmm. our first characters, first mm-hmm. several, is all our ideal selves. It's right. literally just me as a superhero, mm-hmm. right, on, right? Mm-hmm. or whatever.
3: Yeah. And the thing is, it's like. You know, when, when Sky had said ruin, you know, and, and Thorin, when you had just mentioned about, you know, a piece ruining a game and, you know, yeah. that's that, you know, how is that and how can that be and all this stuff? Everything's perception, right? And our own idealisms of what we think it's going to be and where it's going to go. So, and as you said with Bean, you have yeah. this idea yeah. about your character. Well, when you don't have control of that, because now all these pieces are coming in, to push you out, well now that's a trigger. Mm. Mm. Including with Sky's little brother. His mind had wrapped around this idea of what he can do and where he's going with it. And that changed. And it changed.
1: I mean, shit, look at what happened when they decided to take Luke Skywalker and move him into a little bit more of a hero's journey. Everyone lost their goddamn minds. Right? really like like that movie, huh? Hey, uh, we can can do an episode. We'll do an episode, all right? I don't think we can do that episode. No, 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 no. Look at that. (laughs) But take that, the character like that, that everyone has an idea about, and change something about it, and people lost their minds.
3: Mm -hmm. And now add in the diagnosis.
1: That is is your character, though. And then
3: any diagnosis that you might have that might hinder that, including that one comment about not being able to see theater of mind, not being able to visualize it yeah. within their mind. Yeah. As well as now the traumas, you know, the sexual assaults, the abuse, you know, all this other stuff. How can you easily shift when things are going your way and everything's great? And now all of a sudden, no,
2: it's you can't not. do it. Oh wait,
1: never mind.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't work that way. And you and, and even for myself, when um uh ojin got shut down with that one character and either she was dead because she had unfortunately permanent kit loss
0: and every time <laughs> well i noticed okay. that you didn't you didn't like, like 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 when the clay golems hit you i noticed like i kind of i i did sort of after the fact feel like i hit a, a little bit of a trigger there i didn't mean and i didn't mean to like i just put in the clay golems because the clay golems well, you know, at- they, they were level appropriate <laughs>
3: And that's why I want to circle back, because when you guys said, a disclaimer, don't do these triggers in, in real game, but they happen. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the biggest yeah. thing is, when it happens, not only as a DM and you see that it happened, but as a player, if it happened, you need to communicate it. Like, mm. hey, you know, that really kind of hit a nerve. You don't have to say why, mm. you know? Like, for me, I know it's because when I don't feel like I'm being heard, which I spent my whole life not being heard, that triggers me, so I don't need to say that. Although I just said it out there for all you DMs that actually play with me, and that sounded really bad.
1: But uh, we, we, it, yeah. it's, it's fine. This is this is, this is, this is honest talk, real talk here. We roll here, my friends. Real open tables. Real- I, I I am
0: still a little confused about how the hit point loss from the clay golem. Is the same as not being heard. But I think, are those, was that kind of the same issue or kind of a different?
3: It was all like within the game itself between that campaign and then the next when we hit that bird guy. I forget who he was. Was it Arcan
0: or something Ar- like Ar- that? Arcan, yeah. Yeah.
3: And every hit, I was dead or mm-hmm. nothing worked. So I literally spent the whole game doing nothing but playing with my phone. So it wasn't fun for me. But I didn't communicate that either through whisper to my DM, uh, aka Thorin, or you know, eventually I did. I think I did like I don't know well, a week we've, later. we've but... learned the well, Whisper
1: whole well, twenty now,
0: so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, also like I mean, with R. Kang, wasn't that some of the saver suck stuff wasn't working against him because I mean he was he was he was a high level NPC with high level saving throws. Right. That the, was the actual the attack. I mean, the early attack stuff wasn't working because he had up uh, for reasons that the players will hopefully one day get he had up an anti-magic shell to begin with and after that like you actually were totally hurting him when you hit him it's just he was hard Mm -hmm. it was a hard it was a hard fight and i mean honestly the 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 party reacted to the hard fight with a little bit of you know well we don't want to do this but i think yeah we talked about that a little bit last episode but you guys actually almost killed him and you would have killed him had you pressed the attack at one point you just gave him a chance to use i will tell you here art kang is a flying pinata he is full of magic items for the party, just like uh, just like uh, Brother Maynard was. They're, they were both basically giant pinatas. Mm. And one of the things that makes them so difficult is that they are giant pinatas of magic items that they're using against you.
3: Yeah, no, and 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 that's the thing. So as I'm watching this as a therapist, I'm gonna, you know, like that I've noticed with you, Thorin, is a trigger for you that if somebody is not necessarily having a great time or don't like what you're putting out there. Cause I get, he was a strong character. I get that, you know, it wasn't fun to be on the ground the whole time, you know, but as all of us have experienced, but I, but for you, there's that need to defend it, defend the action and that's okay. But I know that. So I, I understand that that was the, the creature. And again, it was about that communication. We need to communicate as players. And as DMS, and if we don't do that, then the DMS just struggling, especially if you don't have a therapy background that you can kind of pull from. So because I've seen, you know,
2: Tony sometimes in the background, like going,
0: oh,
2: (laughs) probably I can't think what you're thinking of, but probably guilty. I'll give you an example of that. So. All right. In the Marvel game. Right. We're doing introductions and then like a player did something and then a player did something and then a player did something and a player did something i'm like ah and then a player did something and 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 then another player did something and i'm like i haven't got on the ship yet you're like painting the walls guys
0: I this is why say- sometimes you have to go into initiative orders so everyone gets a chance to do something say- because players will keep jumping in over each other.
2: Exactly.
1: I'm going to return to uh, like episode three, maybe, that we had I was right around there. We were talking about roll 20. I'm going to put an addendum to it, something I found that Bon and I have talked about a lot. Now, we, we've been doing this over Skype this whole time. We've, told, we've talked to you guys about that. And we've learned how do we communicate this way. But what I've noticed when we're on Roll20, every group, some more, some less, but there is that enough of a lag in the video and audio stuff that it really makes that inner communication at the table really difficult. And then it becomes a lot of over-talking almost the whole time. And I've noticed it again and again. And some of it, I think, is just that technology and that inability to be at the table and see this person and see the cues that you would usually see. Which then goes back to what we're talking about with Sky, is that her brother or the girl who can't, uh, who has trouble with theory of the mind, they can't get the same cues So it becomes this, you know, whether it's being over-talked or whether it's being, uh, you know, whatever the thing is, but then you're feeling like shut down. You just go, okay, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then you just probably pull back into yourself, I would think.
3: Yeah, that's one of my triggers. And when I get quiet and there's a lot of Mm over-talking, I just, I get quiet and I disengage.
0: The the problem with the online platforms is that we play over Roll20 and Zoom and they both seem to have auto-ducking options. Not options, but just does it. Like, if two people are talking at once, one person doesn't come through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that just must be part of the whatever the... Programming. The, yeah, yeah
0: I, don't, I don't know why that is. And it is It is why, I mean, it's why in the last game, I, at one point I did go into... Uh, that, that's why I tend to go into the initiative order sometimes, actually. Specifically in the last game of Woodstock Wanderers, because so many people were just... Everyone had their things they wanted to do. And I, if you don't do something to give everyone a turn, people get talked over. Yeah. So that was why that's, that's why I, I, I've started doing it even more. Yeah. I, I'd much rather be playing in person. You know, they're the all oh. 20 experiences. It's, it's, it's good for, 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 for the situation we're in. It definitely misses something for me, as far as the way and
1: I'm And Tony, playing. I've noticed you do the same thing as well. A lot of times where you will break, uh, you will break it into almost a turn-based thing when we're just doing normal conversations and stuff, or you'll see that someone's not speaking and you'll mm-hmm. say, Hey, what do you think? You know, and you'll kind of pull them back in. I've noticed that that you, you make a very uh, – you're probably the best at it out of all of us, I think. <laughs> Let's well, meet.
2: thank you for saying that, and I'll tell you why. Because in my first Storm King's Thunder, not everybody got equal airtime, and I, I I like to believe I learned from that. So I'm kind of watching everybody to make sure the space is around, and only, you can't listen to me talk for too long. Because, like, you know, my nasally voice gets old. It's like. I don't
3: know
1: about that.
2: Uh. Little I know you want level 11. It's in your grasp. But.
1: Yeah, guys, so just so you know, Tony is either it's this voice <laughs> or he is a weird Brooklyn guy for his Storm Giant Wizard. I, I'm still not
2: quite sure. I Wait, was sure. trying to do Andre the Giant. It's just not working. Or is that what, I thought it was like, <laughs> like a Stallone-type figure. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> no, because so just the thing with that. I don't want to play the really tough guy character for my NPC. Right. I have to be very sensitive to that. Like, he, uh, believe it or not, like I want him to come off a certain way, but I have to always be trying to not overshadow my PCs. So oh, absolutely. When I'm in a game. That's really my full salvo of role play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
3: And that's good qualities of a therapist because you're seeing, you're making the changes on the fly, and then on top of that, you're trying to allow your players to play and shine out that way. So, which is important because, again, we're all just trying to grab some level of control in our lives. And we do it through the game.
1: Well, speaking of that, didn't Yes. Yeah. Anubis.
3: Yeah. Anubis, one of the first things he said to me in our first session, at the end, after we had, you know, gone through what I wanted to get him through, the group, he said to me, I like playing this because I have control over what happens to me and what I do. So he's able to work out the nonsense in some ways that has happened to him. And he's had a pretty rough background, I would say, um, that's happened to him. And, you know, great kid, you know, lost his way a little bit because of those things. And um, this is a way for him to control that, control that narrative. This isn't going to happen to me again, what has happened to me, because I'm going to do this. I am the savior. I am the one who's going to rescue the group, which today he just took over the whole, a whole town as a mayor.
1: So oh, dude. no, we need a whole episode to explain the absolute insanity that's happening with this campaign that I hear about on a weekly basis. <laughs> it's absolutely fucking ridiculous.
3: <laughs> but again, it's me allowing him to have these overpowered players as well as truly discover what it is he wants to do and where he wants to go, because this is his world. It's no longer my world, even though I'm bringing it to him. He's controlling the world, and he needs that from a therapy perspective to have control over something he does not have control in
1: real life. So go go with that a little more, because... We talk a lot about, and I'm kind of with Thorn. he always says, like, you know, the players are yours, the characters are yours, the world is mine. Mm-hmm. So how has that changed with this specific? You said the world's his now.
3: Yeah, so what I mean is, obviously, we all set up with a certain idea of the towns, the monsters, where they're going to go, the missions, you know, if you choose this way, if you choose that way, right? So uh-huh. that whole book that we used to read as a kid, where if you
0: do this, You're turn to right this page, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, choose your own adventures. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I read
1: most though. of them. Yes, me too. <laughs> me
3: too, as a kid. Um, and I love that. I love that escape because, like I said, I had a you know interesting child life as well. But what end up happens? What ends up happening is I don't expect him to want to take over a town and be the mayor, mm-hmm. and then choose to get the three topest uh, the three strongest people in town. Which, of course, then I narrate, and I kind of challenge him. And the character he interacted with in town, which was, again, unplanned. And Dave knows some of these unplanned adventures. But I said, I I broke it down a little bit and took a little control back. And I said, well, one of them is uh, strong by intellect. One of them is strong by muscle. And the other one, well, she's not really sure what what he does so well. And so then I brought in uh, Charisma. And so I say that and just kind of see how he played it. And in the end, he takes over the town. And then one of the people he killed because they were just being a jerk. So he killed them. And he's like, you can't you can't do what I plan for you to do. And then he assigned these two to find five more people to control the town while he's not at town.
1: I think that's still you. I think the world is still yours. He's just uh, really having a go at it.
3: Yeah. And 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 as and doing it from a therapy perspective, obviously slightly different. And that's why, you know, therapy versus non-therapy from a D&D perspective, um, the therapist really needs to allow you to come up with situations off the cusp. Like, I know you guys have talked about that before. Are you more scripted? Are you not? Like I'm in the middle with a little bit more freestyle because that's just who I am to begin with and just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. But then also in therapy perspective, I don't know what he needs and where he needs to go to. So by me allowing him to take control of the world a little bit, because it's not like I want to do this. He's like, I'm doing this. So I let him do that just so I can find those avenues to navigate a little further down so that way I can see additional triggers. I can see additional things that maybe he's forgotten about because we all forget about trauma and what he really excels at. And in this case, he he just wants control back, control of him
1: and to be a murderer.
3: Well, and and it's funny because as we were walking back, um, so his character is female right off the bat. You know, and I know sometimes oh, I we wonder, you know, why it is that some players will play the other gender. Right. Um, and without communication, we don't know. Right. So that's why communication is important. But in his case, he said, cause I asked him today, cause I knew we were doing this. And I wanted to know, cause David asked me why. And I'm like, you know, he's never said, and I never asked. So today I asked him and he said, you know what he said, because women are perceived as weak, And they are one of the strongest existence of a being that can be. Oh,
1: there you go. Okay.
3: So he likes to play females because he's underestimated. And then yet all this power is there, which, again, says a lot. And as a therapist, you can read in a lot of that as well and take that into a different direction, not only for just D&D, but then in in our therapy session, because, you know, we do both. We have a session where we just sit and chat.
0: And then we have a session of
3: D and D once a week.
0: Does it ever come in like you'd mentioned? He kind of murder hobos. Do you ever kind of feel like, which to me would be like the danger of this, which is that okay if you're if if someone's exploring how they can impact the world through D D, there's a lot of opportunity to murder hobo in D D, even players mm. who aren't using this therapeutically. Do you feel like that's like a risky thing, or do you feel like that's like do you push back on that and kind of like like how do you handle that if that's the way he's expressed if that's the path he's choosing there? Do you feel like that's dangerous? Do you like a just... Oh, that's a
1: good question.
3: Well, so, you know, Dave saying he's murdering hobos is a little different than actually what's occurring. Well, murder uh, hobo
0: means you uh, are a murder, uh, hobo. Sorry, murder oh, hobo. Oh,
1: oh.
0: Okay. Yes. Murder <laughs> hobo means that you are homeless and walk around murdering <laughs>
1: okay,
2: people. Kind got it, got it. Yes. of like the Curse of Strahd
1: team. <laughs> uh, well, you know, he kind of...
2: Uh,
3: <laughs> beginning.
2: I'm like a wrestling hobo. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, we... They, have a- they
2: were all bad.
0: We... Uh, <laughs> 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 We're all bad. That was, that was, but They were all bad.
3: <laughs> we have a broid rage, you know, character with a little gnome that just instigates and is like, yes, let's do this. So, you know, it's going to happen in a, in a, a game. Well, my
2: character has never true. tested positive for steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's all vitamins. It's all vitamins, brother.
3: It's energy water. It's Brondo. he It's got electrolytes.
0: So, so yeah, um, I mean, is that like something that you think about or do you feel like, or how do you handle that?
3: Well, if if it comes up in a situation where it is seems like it's just we're just gonna murder people, Mm. but I will say so far um, there's always been justified reasons. Okay you know like it's never just i'm coming in and killing this person would
1: it fall also into kind of the idea behind uh like they you know people always used to try to push it the idea of like cartoon violence or Mm -hmm. video game violence and what they've seen as they do the big meta analysis is that no it's actually those people are usually the most high functioning and you know because they're they're that's their outlet but they realize that it's fantasy
3: well yes and no so and I, I, as a gamer and violence and all that stuff, I understand what you're saying. Right. But when you add in some mental um, issues, health issues, especially some form of cognitive dysfunction where they cannot isolate the reality from the gaming. Sure. Okay. You know, that is where lines get a little blurred. So I want to put that out there because is it everybody? No. Is it the kids that I'm working with right now? No. But that doesn't mean that couldn't. Uh, potentially become an issue where someone whether they're on medication uh that might cause them to be a little desensitized
1: would there be a difference how about is there a difference maybe in that like if they're going around literally murdering hobos right like <laughs> an actual murderer right? like the townspeople and stuff, or I'm going to kill the dragon, I'm going to fight the bugbear, I'm going to capture the unicorn like these, where it turns into mythological type stuff, Would there be a different, a a, a separation there Definitely. where they're not necessarily going after humanoids as we would say.
3: Well, and and when we think about that, what do we think about, right? As even just as players, as me, CBS. treasure,
1: I think about treasure, exactly, That's exactly, right. and experience,
3: and ex- an experience, right.
1: an experience we've learned. Yes. As Matt said, in Slaver's Bay, think of the experience. Right.
3: (laughs) Well, in the end, we all want to be heroes, right? We all want money. We all want Hero to well, be
1: a hero. Phineas McCool, I don't know if Hero is necessarily exactly <laughs> what he's going
2: for. My <laughs> character's been with him for 10 games. I have no idea what he's going for. So it's he's not,
1: I'm not going to say he's not going for it. I'm just not going to say he's going for it. He's undecided, let's say. That's because I have two characters
0: who aren't... You don't have the word good on their character sheet. <laughs>
1: I would say, actually, I mean,
0: Phineas... Zhang would be more likely to commit atrocity than Phineas, I think, out of the two of them. Uh, However, we've definitely played with players who did not want to be the heroes. Like me and Tony have absolutely played with players who are like,
2: nope, I want to be the villain. I want to be this world's worst villain they've ever seen. Please, those guys were lukewarm (laughs) villains. They're the people in the ass of villainy, in my opinion. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. did do some nasty things with rock rubs. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Now we're going really far back, and that was an evil campaign, and that was different. But I have a, a I've dealt with a lot of players who're like, I'm this evil mercenary. Yeah. What's the most evil thing you've done? Uh, I tore some tags off some mattresses a few weeks ago. <laughs> like,
1: I gotta tell you, rock grubs though, probably one of the more disquieting illustrations from the One E. Oh yeah. Campaign. The rock rubs picture that they had drawn. Uh, that was I still can see that and be like, oh, 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 oh.
0: there's a couple dandy villains that turn into body horror, and the rock rubs are one of the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they really is. That is really kind of the idea that this little bug, yeah, yeah, this little bug gets in you and you can't get it out and it's killing you. That's I think that's up there. That's, that's just up like
1: there. Visions of Wrath of Khan. I don't
0: like it. And look <laughs> at us talking about obvious triggers in the episode about you know therapy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, and the thing is, when I said heroes, I mean in life, right? Nobody really wants to be a jerk, right? There are some people out there, but in the Mm. end, everybody who hurts somebody has been hurt. It's that vicious cycle,
1: right? We're all the hero in our own story. Exactly. No one ever thinks, I'm the bad guy
3: here. Well, exactly, (laughs) as well as, you know, we want to do the right thing, even if it comes off wrong In, in real life, honestly, you know, nobody is set out and nobody's born evil. Life happens. And so when we get stuck in that, and maybe we can't do that in a, a real life situation because we're too weak, because, you know, we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, we don't have enough money, you not whatever whatever the situation because is. Because
0: society really, really, really frowns on murdering people who you disagree with. <laughs> exactly. I mean, no matter what they did <laughs> in modern times, medieval in modern times, whole, yeah. different right.
3: whole different ballgame, whole different ballgame.
0: I mean, we, yeah. talked, we talked about that a little bit, too, in the in the episode about racial alignments when the, when Watchy got rid of the idea that races have been born alignments. We talked about that. You know? Yeah. you know, evil isn't how you're born. Evil is, you know, your actions. And everyone everyone does think they're justified. or are not just justified. Everyone feels like they're at this point because of the thing, you know, for a good reason. For a reason that makes this, you know, their point of view reasonable. Everyone... Like you said, Dave is the hero of their own story.
1: I am the hero of my own story.
0: Thank you for pointing that out.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, got I got the
0: voice for it. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's>... <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have purposefully put in situations where, you know, maybe someone was being like a real antagonist against uh, Anubis specifically. And because of the reactions that he has done in the past when that occurs. And as long as the roles come out right and he he always chooses to talk to them restrain them before murdering
1: there you go
3: so i've yet to see it
2: where someone's just like i want to murder
1: see tony i told you there were pla- that, Just not
2: in the Storm King's game, okay? Uh, uh, just, okay, uh, you uh, found one. Congratulations. Okay.
0: Jang hey, oh. patterned myself on, Mus- uh, on Musashi. Show me where Musashi's book. He didn't murder people. He beat someone to death with a bow door. For Christ's sake.
3: Yeah. Well, if you want, some- if you want somebody to be a really terrible villain in one game, just let me know and I'll create that out. And then I will bring every. Type of personality uh, that I can, from a therapeutic perspective, into the game to trigger you guys, so we can have good communication as well.
0: To be Sorry. fair, I don't seem to have a problem with my villains triggering the players. I seem to do it too easily, if anything.
1: Sure. <laughs> it's true. a clay gold. This like, is the personality. Like accidentally killing people in Second Edition, like you said, like uh, you have to learn how to. <laughs> try.
0: It took me so long to master not killing first level characters. So long. Part of the art. That's in so, the old days. I guess you know. I was reading a, a salon article about, and this is probably where the idea of D and D being used for autism and therapy. Uh, one of the places it sparked up was there was a salon article from a few years ago, talking about the impact it had uh, on a player with autism. And yeah, here's a passage from that to give an idea. Uh, Cause I do think, you know, Bonnie, what you're doing there and, and what people are doing with D and D and autism, it does seem like D and D has a real power to help. I'm not saying it's a cure all, but it has a power to help people contextualize things they are thinking about and contextual. And also, like kind of learn the communication skills and the ability to express themselves because it is such a verbal game, because it is a game where you talk about what you want to do. and, And for a lot of reasons, actually it seems it does seem to have that effect of helping people at least contextualize some things, change maybe some models of how they think about things, and communicate a little, you know, kind of communicate more in a model that is more effective than maybe they are. So, like this passage here was the uh, the person with autism being spoken about as Storm. This is from a Salon article from 2014. We'll link to it in the in the About section. Uh, and some wrapping up here, the author says, that was almost 10 years ago. Today, Storm is an independent young man living on his own. He's still close friends with Benjamin and Shane, who are the other players in the group and through D&D has made several new friends. When I ask him if he thinks D&D helped him, he says it did. Quote, it helps me make friends and socialize, he says, because it was a, quote, common point they all had together every week. He explains that to him, the multiplayer nature of the game translates into real-world skills because all the variables are human. You're anticipating what the other side's going to do. Communicating, he says, is the key. It's also the one skill that people with autism struggle with the most. And, you know d d even people without autism, I was, I, friends I've had who don't communicate well, I definitely think it has that effect of helping communicate. In fact, as we're talking here, I'm remembering a one session. We had one session. We got together one of the in-person sessions over your house, Bonnie, where we wound up spending half the session talking about serious issues one of the players' children were going through that one of the other players had some experience with. And we spent like half that, that, that session, and then and another a couple of the other players talking about some experiences with mental illness, we spent half that session a group of people who hadn't really talked about having mental illnesses before, talking about experiences with mental illnesses just very openly and in a way that I thought was very, in some ways, cathartic and also brought the group closer together you know it, it it seems like when you you know you're in the DD game together you're communicating very clearly and it does seem gets a chance to you know you get closer and you get to get some things out
1: and I, i'll just add to that too because we've talked i mean this whole podcast is pretty much about this but the level of soft skills that are needed to especially run a game of DD. to play DD, absolutely the team building and all this but running a game as we all have found and everyone out there has found, the level of skills required and the level of mental acrobatics and emotional acrobatics and managerial stuff is enormous and really not ever ending. Like you can I've said this before, you I don't think there's an end to how much you can improve in this, you know. Um, and I think that's the type of thing that, that's happening as well. It's just it it forces you to use muscles that you wouldn't necessarily in the rest of your life, you know. To but do it also
0: it-, it touches also touches on the issue we we brought this up last week, we brought this up before. So Bonnie, you're talking about using DD as a therapeutic tool, but you are in this case, that is your job as mm-hmm. the, that is you're using it to interact in a professional setting in a professional way. It does feel sometimes like you're put in the position as DM where you need to be more responsible. For handling that and kind of playing everyone else's therapist, I do kind of reject that. You know, I think if you have a game where you've accepted that because of some of the players, that's one thing. I think one of the things we're running into in this in the, in the Woodstock Wanderers game is I don't adjust my game for what the players want it to be. I kind of have a story in mind and a world in mind they're interacting with that to me is interacting in a logical way. And I feel like the to me, the agreement is the players are playing and their characters, getting to do whatever they want to do, but they are interacting with the world on that I'm creating that I can do whatever I want to do with. And how much of that, I mean, you yeah, I think we I think we kind of have different opinions of how far you have to go to to adjust your world to everyone else and, and to kind of deal with everyone's issues, including your you know, including your own. Like so, because I don't like the model where the DM is entirely responsible for creating a world that helps the rest of the players work out their issues. Mm -hmm. I think the DM should be equal in that regard. And you're all trying to have fun and do the thing you have in your head. So you should be facilitating each other. Whereas sometimes, even as we've talked here, it kind of turns into, well, the DM has to be aware of what everyone else wants and create it. For some for some DMs, I think it's a good way to DM. Some people approach DMing as I'm hosting a party, I want everyone to have a good time. I'm personally hosting per- approaching DMing as more of a creative outlet for myself and a chance to have funds with friends who are kind of on board and want to go with me with that. So it's they're they're kind of different things. And I don't think that's the I don't think the therapeutic approach is the only way to DM, nor should it be. You know, because I think if it is, there's only a handful, I think you're going to lose a lot of your DMs. I mean, I don't think everyone wants to come in as a way to enable their players to talk about, you know, to kind of work through their own issues.
3: Well, absolutely. You know, when you're talking about from a therapeutic perspective, like I said in the beginning, like it's two types. It's going to be as a game and then as a therapy practice, those same cues and stressors and triggers and all that are going to shine through. You guys have all seen it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Right? We've seen all yours. I've seen all yours. I know your triggers as well. And it's so if you're observant, you're going to see it. So when you're doing a non-therapy game, because realistically, the only people are going to want to try and do a therapy D and (laughs) D is a therapist.
0: It's okay. someone in a situation like Sky, where they have someone who that where they have like where they yeah. have someone they want to involve in the game, and that's a different thing, I think. And I think as a DM, you know you you know, if you're in, if you're bringing in players who, you know, that's the situation, you're taking more responsibility, Absolutely. right? I mean, I've certainly been in, there are certainly players who I do take a little more responsibility for knowing them more, what they've been and you know, like kind of what their issues might be or what, what triggers they might have. But yeah, it's, I mean, should that just be how every DM approaches things? Or should every DM put their game, like kind of put the, the players wants what they want to do with the stories above what the DM wants to do with the story?
3: I think there's a fine balance there with everything. So obviously you have your world and you want certain things to happen, right? Because you create it. You spend all that time doing it. And those that have not DM don't understand that, right? So they're not understanding the amount of hours you put in, and even Tony and Dave, because I know all three of you very well now, which I put in far less than what you guys do because I go by the seat of my pants most of the time. But the amount of hours and commitment you guys are bringing to the table, you know, a, uh, an experienced DM who is using it for this gigantic world and this epic campaign versus what I'm doing in therapy. Completely different. But there has to be a balance, too. So your world. Yes, that's your world. This is what you want to do and this is where you want to go. But ensuring that you're having fun and the players are having fun. And maybe it doesn't, you know, somebody wants to do something that just, okay, that's going to be next to impossible to do within your world because you've set it up a certain way. Okay. But now that's when you get in your skill checks. And if, let's say, like, when, when some of the things with Anubis started, and even Lulu, back when Lulu was playing more, they do, like, three roll uh, nat 20s in a row. And I'm like, all right, well, you did it, you know, because how do I say no to that? When we, we when we heavily rely upon those roles for successes,
2: it's happened. <laughs> right? I'm gonna tell you right now, it's happened. That impossible shot, that impossible skill check, that impossible torpedo blowing up the freaking star destroyer. <laughs> we've all seen it.
3: Exactly. And so in a game where it's you're set up to have fun with your players and the players have fun, and maybe you don't want them to take control over it, which is perfectly fine, giving them these little side pieces to make them still like they're having fun, even if it's outside of your world, just kind of goes a little bit of a long way of maintaining that balance between what you expect your, your, your world to do and maybe some of the campaigns to go on versus what the players are like, I wanna try this off the wall situation, you know, including remember when Acorn hit the wall on my brother yep. for the first time? <sighs> she's just right into a wall you know like it's just that fun in the end it's all about having fun for both dm and players and i think a lot of people forget that it's not always just about me it's about Mm -hmm. everybody yeah not just with dming not just with dungeons and dragons with life yeah you know it's not just about me and what i want and what i see it's all about the Collective.
2: Oh, also. Okay. I kind of oh. said something like that during my Wish article. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it wasn't me. It wasn't paraphrasing. Maybe I was reading No, no, Bible. no. I'm good. not sure.
2: I, I agree with you is what I'm getting at. <laughs> All right. So we've been going on. We've talked about this
0: for a little bit. Why don't we get to some final thoughts? And uh I guess, Bonnie, do you want to start with final thoughts?
3: Sure. Thank you. Oh, and I forgot to say from the beginning, um, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> So in all seriousness, in the end, regardless if you're a therapist looking to bring in D&D, which I highly recommend, and yet be very open to change and explore those areas that are sensitive topics as well, uh, because you can control it once those feelings, thoughts, and verbalization comes out. But as a player, as a therapist, in the end, communication is important. Perception is important. Having some level of control within what you want to do and what you're allowed to do. And having that perspective is just gonna make everybody happier.
0: What do you think, Dave? What do you have few
1: final thoughts? I, I, I enjoyed this episode. I really, this was this was something quite different. I am fascinated by this, especially so, cause I get to hear about how, how RPGs uh, are being used therapeutically each week. So I think that's awesome, and we would love to hear more about that from any listeners that are actually, you know, thinking of doing that or are doing it, please. I, I think we should talk more about that beyond just a, a random article that we can find on the on the internet, you know. But in the end, it really comes down to uh, know your players, I think. this It keeps coming back to those points that we said, Bonnie said communication. We say that all the time here. You have to communicate. We literally just spent a whole episode talking about that and know your players, know your table and know yourself and be open to the give and take. Like I use the idea of my story about Beam and his backstory, have that give and take because the final result is probably gonna be better than something you were just gonna come up with on your own. Cause if you wanna play D&D by yourself, it's called writing a book, which is awesome. And I'll come read it. Just like I'm reading the King Killer Chronicles, super awesome, Patrick Rothfuss, but like, yeah, I want to play d d though, not listen to your book, you know?
2: How right. right, about you, Tony? Well, being an old schooler, uh, D&D was the original multiplayer game for me. And we talked about playing this game, and it gives you a feeling of control. And it really does, because you know what? I'm not in this game. I don't have to be back at work Monday morning. We can go and do things, and you really have control of your own destiny, unless I'm your DM, and I'm railroading you in every imaginable direction at every stop. <laughs> I'll let you get snacks, you know, as the person with the tray comes down, but that's about it. But in all seriousness, someone actually asked me about uh, this episode's topic, and I said, you know— We talked about sometimes um, if people try to work through some issues in the game, there could be problems with that. And she said, well, why? Like, isn't like the ideal place for the hatchet out? And my answer was no – not if the other players in the DM weren't ready for it. Then you hmm. yourself get blindsided by it. Well said. Yeah. Well said.
1: Yeah.
0: Very well said. And for, and for me, first, you know, thank you very much, Sky, for sending the topic in. I know, uh, you know, we, we did our best to do. We, we haven't dealt specifically with autism, but as you can see, I mean, in our games, we have had a lot of people with various things, and you know, this is a little bit about how we've approached them and and, and how we think about them. Uh, and I think there is some there is some good advice online about DMing with autism. But I think really, you know, you, you know, with your therapy background, I think um, it sounds like uh, doing a lot of the right kinds of things. I will say, you know, the biggest thing for me is just. I do feel like D&D is very powerful for helping people understand and communicate and kind of get away from the world a little bit in a way that lets them kind of deal with things in a more, uh, in a safe environment. So I think it's got a lot of power for that. And I was yeah, like Dave said, I'd love to hear more, uh, you know, like, like this kind of thing, Bonnie, the, the kind of thing you're doing, the, 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 the D&D used in therapy. I think it's, I just think it has a lot of great power both to help people open up and to help people contextualize and, kind of reframe things in their own minds so thank you all and Bonnie thank you very much for being our first yes. guest on the podcast thank you Bonnie
3: Ooh, yes. thank you
0: for having me and all of you listening at home thank you very much for catching another episode of 3Wise DMs you can find us at 3WiseDMs.com you can email us at 3WiseDMs at gmail.com and we are very active on Facebook and Twitter you can find 3Wise DMs on both those channels if you are listening to this and enjoy it please hit that five star uh, ratings button in whatever podcast platform you're listening to that really helps us increase our reach and helps us other people find the podcast if you have anything you'd like us to talk about you know this is obviously this is entirely thank you very much again to sky for sending us this topic if you have a topic you'd like to hear us talk about please send it to three wise dms at gmail.com or on our website you can enter it in our quote what's your problem field as we've talked about that's not like an that's that's not like a mafia thing right. That's literally what is what is what wow. what is your problem you'd like to talk about and we will try to address it in a future episode or at least uh, drop you a line if you include your email address that's it for this episode we'll see you next week on three wise dms Thank <music> you.